Hello, I'm Becky Hadid, host of The Storied Recipe. As my weekly guests share their stories through the vessel of cherished food memories, we all become better cooks, more grateful for the gift of food, and we honor those that have loved us through their cooking. Welcome to this summer retrospective series. One of my favorite things about this podcast is that it is truly a community of guests and listeners, and you often connect with each other apart from me. When my guests share so deeply and vulnerably with us, the listeners, I feel like it's important to try to stay in touch and continue the conversation as much as possible. So in this spirit, I reached out to a few guests for follow-up interviews, and I'll be airing them for five weeks this summer. These interviews are each 30 minutes or less and totally unedited, so you're getting the raw thoughts of both myself and my guests. So here we are at the final of our five summer retrospective series interviews, and I am so excited to welcome Letitia Clark back. Letitia is on the verge of finally having a launch party to celebrate Bitter Honey, except... This is a double book launch party because she has a new book out, a companion book to Bitter Honey, titled La Vite al Dolce, Italian-Inspired Desserts. In this interview, we talk about one surprising challenge that came along with the success of her first book. We have a frank conversation about perception versus reality when it comes to the real life of a successful author. I also love talking to Letitia about her goals behind this new book and why she focused so much on sweet breakfast treats. And in fact, Letitia's beliefs about breakfast fly in the face of all conventional wisdom, but I think for our own good, her experience is really worth considering. This is just a light, fun, fresh conversation perfect for a hot summer day. So whether you're walking, driving, cooking, gardening, or just sitting on a porch somewhere with a tall glass of iced tea, welcome to you and welcome to Letitia. Hello, Letitia. Hi, can you hear me? Hello. I sure can. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. How are you? I'm good. Are you in Sardinia right now? Yes, I am. Yeah, you might be able to hear the birds tweeting in the background. They're very noisy at the moment. (laughs) (laughs) I've been on a Zoom call recently, everyone's like, there's birds in the background. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's delightful. And for those of us, I don't know if you've heard about these brood X cicadas that hit large parts of the U.S., No, I haven't had anything about them. Oh, I mean, there are these insects that come out every 17 years and they're like of biblical plague proportions. It's deafening um, in our neighborhoods when they're out. They're only out for about a month and they've just kind of died off. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) That really is quite biblical. I've never heard of that. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, you measure time by them going by. Like, I was pregnant with my oldest the last time. And then, you know, he'll be, what, 30 in his 30s the next time, you know. (laughs) It's quite nice to have a kind of time scale like that, isn't it? It it is. It is. But it's kind of a large one. We don't usually measure things in such large chunks, 17 years. That's true. Yeah, I guess at least they only happen every 17 years. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes, there's a lot of people very grateful for that. So um, so speaking speaking of time going by and exciting things and measuring time, um, when we last spoke, you, you had like this longing that you would do a book launch party, a double book launch party, right? And it's happening. <laughs> yeah, I really like I really don't want to um, speak too soon and jinx things because um, 
the situation is ever evolving, as you know. Um, but hopefully, um, or if all goes well, we will be having a double launch party on the 1st of August in London at one of my favourite kind of cafe restaurants, which will be really, really great. Oh, works out yeah it's just everything still slightly unsure but hopefully is it um the UK or Sardinia that is more of the um, well I think um there's still some sort of restrictions on on big groups so I may have oh. to restrict numbers because um that you know obviously I would like to have as many people as possible but of course uh, I need to check the regulations at the moment um yeah, at that time but then otherwise I mean, I think I may have to do quarantine going into England from Sardinia, but I'm, I can I can do that if I yes. have to. Yeah. yeah, but, any, yeah. Anything will be worth it for this big celebration. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm kind of so determined. I'm like, it will happen, whatever I have to do to make it happen. It's been so long. Yes, it's yeah. such a long time coming. How, um, well, tell us, like, a brag a little bit, brag a little bit, because when we last talked, Bitter Honey was doing really well, um, but it was still fairly new. So tell us a little bit about the successes of Bitter Honey and tell us about your newest book, which is it, is it released there? I don't think it's released in the U.S. for another two days. Uh, so it's not, so it comes out, it's published in, in the U.K. in two days um, and then it's published in the U.S. There's been a delay, I think a shipment has been held up or something. So the pub date is actually, I think, about a month away. A month so away. U.S. in about a month and U.K. in, in two days. Okay, um, so which- for, let me just say for listeners, so we're recording this on June 22nd, but listeners will be hearing it in July. So if you're hearing this mid-July or later, Go ahead and, and look up this new book that Lutz exactly. is going to tell yeah, us about. Yeah. Um, and hopefully, you, it's it's on the pre-order and everything, so you can have it sitting in your basket ready, even if it's not, even if there's any holdups with the shipments or whatever. Right. But yeah, um, yeah. So it's really exciting. Two days until publication here, and then. Um, so what's happened? Yeah, it feels like a lifetime ago that we spoke. <laughs> it, it does. It does. So it was last November. How long had Bitter Honey been out last November? Bitter Honey had been out for, it came out in April. So it's been out about five, is that five months? My math is not. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Something like that. <laughs> <laughs> about five months. Um, and it's just kind of been amazing. It's just kind of this kind of wave that's carried on going. And I was sort of, I mean, part of me, I mean, Obviously, n- not none of me really wants the wave to die, but part of me was like, <laughs> part of me was like, okay, now now I can close that door and kind of focus on doing another book. But actually, like the the kind of residual stuff mm. from Bitter Honey comes in every day, and that's I mean, as as much as I'm partly trying to kind of time manage and be like, oh, but I need to move on to another book at the same time. It's really lovely that it's still mm. resonating with people. Posting about it and writing to me about it and buying it and cooking from it and I just hadn't I really hadn't um, envisaged that it would have this kind of like lovely long slow growth um, which has been really nice and yeah. um, this lady called Deborah Balint I don't know if I pronounce it right uh-huh. who does a sort of cookbook club called Rainy Day Bites I think um, mm. online she chose it as the sort of book for this month and the cookbook club is quite extensive so lots of people have been cooking from it and that's wow. been really really nice wow um, they're a wow. sort of whole community yes but a challenge uh, because you kind of um 
you know, like content creators, people are always talking about, you know, a, a social media schedule or a sharing schedule. So your schedule said, okay, we're going to be really focused on the second book, but instead you still have all of this um, need to yeah. like, yeah, of course, if it's like you said, if the wave is, if you, you want to ride the wave, right? Like you don't want to just jump <laughs> off the bus. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It just feels like, I don't know. I mean, I'm someone that is, is naturally incredibly disorganized anyway. So. <laughs> I really <laughs> it just feels like every morning I wake up and there's about 400 things buzzing around and I'm like oh which one comes first and then oh. I, the, the day ends and I'm like I don't think I dealt with any of them really <laughs> <laughs> well thank you for taking the time to do this then with all of that going on um well that's that's great I couldn't be happier for you for the success of bitter honey it deserves it I really, truly love that book. I still take it out um, just to just to look at and enjoy, but also to use as well. So I'm happy about that. And I still get messages here and there from people saying that they bought the book because they heard about it. Um, so yeah, it's a beloved book for sure. That's lovely to hear. Thank you very much. Yes. And then now tell us about the new one. So the new one, um, I sort of had the idea in my head for a long time because I've always, I was, when I was working in professional kitchens, I did do quite a lot of time in the pastry section. I love, I love puddings. I'm not really a sort of neat and precise pastry chef because I'm mm. quite a scruffy cook and quite, a, uh, I'm, I'm not very good at very sort of fiddly things, mm. but I, I still love making sweets. Um, and I love, you know, being creative, being a bit more imaginative, being using fruit specifically. Mm. I think the focus on a lot of the, the desserts is quite fruity and creamy rather than sort of chocolatey. I'm not a massive chocolate person. So there is one or two chocolate recipes in there, which I really love. So mm. if you're a chocolate lover, don't worry, there are. You <laughs> <laughs> satisfied. But yeah, like a lo I think just a kind of celebration of the really lovely kind of ingredient based things mm. that, that you can make in Italy that you may have already tried in Italy. So it's a sort of mixture of, of traditional classic Italian dishes that lots of people would already know about, like cannoli from Sicily mm. um, and gelato, obviously, and granitas and things, some of which are sort of, as I say, based on classic traditional recipes, some of which are sort of inventions inspired by ingredients that I love and techniques that I use here mm. um, and also just a real focus on kind of celebrations that's one of the wonderful things about sweets is you know it's yeah they are kind of symbolic of celebration and I wanted I wanted to work a, on a project that felt really cheerful mm. and celebratory because it's been such a hard year for, mm. for everybody yeah and I think um, one of the other things that I really wanted to kind of focus on was this kind of the breakfast Italian breakfast yes I was going to bring that up <laughs> <laughs> which is is kind of one of the things that people really love when they come to Italy on holiday or when they, you know if you move to Italy it's probably one of the first things that you really get stuck into and, and get really excited by and this sort of very indulgent breakfast of a creamy bun or a bombolone which is like a donut Mm -hmm. um, and I love a really nice foamy cappuccino or, you know, your favorite coffee or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, you know, and a slice of cake or a handful of cookies or something, which is, is not very, not necessarily very nutritional, but it's definitely very <laughs> enjoyable. And I think that's, you know, one of the things about Italian food is, is just this kind of focus on enjoyment. And, mm. and I think that was so important to get across after mm -hmm. this. 
Yes. Well, and like you said, it's celebratory. Sweets are celebratory. You wanted something celebratory. And I like the idea of um, making breakfast, making the start of the day a celebratory thing, right? Like you can wake up and dread the day or you can celebrate a new day. (laughs) And, um, you know, some of us have a harder, like my husband, I mean, he's out of bed, just like, now I do hear the birds, the birds are singing, there's, there's (laughs) lots of opportunities in the day. And (laughs) I struggle to face the day that way. And then, you know, um, a different approach to breakfast, maybe is a different approach to the day. Exactly. I think, you know, I, I, I mean, I'm not saying that I wouldn't pretend that I wake up every morning, pop out, <laughs> pop out of bed and start singing. And like I, there are mornings when I wake up and I feel pretty ropey and not very joyful. But mm. I always try and make a bit of a thing of breakfast. Like mm. at the moment, because it's obviously summer, I put it on a tray, whatever I have. If I have some gelato leftover that I've made, then I, I will eat that. Or I might have yogurt and poached fruit at least or something, like mm. something that's that's a bit different than just like some, you know, opening a box of cereal or opening a packet of biscuits or whatever. So I'll always try and bring it out and I'll eat it on the veranda, um, you know, quite early in the morning mm. with a proper coffee. And it's just that time to kind of collect and think about things and sort of start the day on a good note and it it really does make a difference and there are obviously mornings where I just don't even have time to have breakfast Mm. Um, but the mornings when I do and I make more of a thing that I always have a better day that day and I think one of the things that is also really nice about being in Italy is that you can go to the bar for breakfast which is not really a thing that exists in England and Hmm. wasn't really a part of my I mean you can go out for like brunch I mean brunch is kind of become quite big in England now so you're gonna go and have eggs and salmon and all like avocado on toast which is (laughs) 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 but like I don't know there's there's kind of like standing at the at the bar in Italy with like you know having an espresso and a kind of sugar dusted pastry is is still very much a a kind of very Italian thing which Mm. still feels very kind of like joyful and and like you're on holiday even if you're Mm -hmm. not on holiday so I think yeah, I kind of love that. That. Yeah, culture. yeah, yeah. I like that. And um, you know, you may you may have told us exactly what it is, but one thing that we talked about with bitter honey that I really liked is that, um, <laughs> I remember asking you at the very beginning. So, how do you classify this book? Because it's so much more than a cookbook, you know. And you said, well, it's part cookbook and it's part memoir and it's part manifesto. Like you wanted people to just take a different approach to cooking. Specifically, you just wanted to encourage them about, you know, what was what was attainable, you know, um, with cooking and this type kind of like seasonal nature forward approach to cooking, you know, and all of that. So. If there if there was a manifesto to this new book, which I'm sorry, is it la, it's La Dolce Vitae? Is that what it's called? Uh, la Vita e Dolce. La Vita e Dolce. What does that mean? It just means life is sweet. Life is sweet. Okay, so what would you say is kind of like the manifesto? What what's the goal of this book? Uh, is it that this idea of like let's celebrate, or would you say what would you say? Yeah, I think I think I mean that's. It's it's probably slightly less this it's slightly less of a memoir than Bitter Honey was because Bitter mm. Honey was such a a kind a project that had been brewing for ages. This mm. is slightly more um 
slightly less of a memoir, but there are still stories about my grandmother, a lot of stories about my grandmother, who was obviously a massive influence in my cooking life, and stories about my mum. It's a bit more of a feminine book, I would say, than Bitter Honey. Ah. It's quite a kind of, yeah, it's, it's, there's a sort of interesting kind of movement through the three generations, me, my mum and my grandma, all of whom had a really sweet tooth. Oh. So there's still that kind of memoir thread, which is yeah. probably going to be any book I ever write, um, because I love memories and family yeah. and sort of obsessed with both. So it's probably always going to be there. But I think manifesto-wise, yeah, definitely that that aspect of of celebration and yeah. enjoyment and just not worrying. I think you know there's so much to worry about already in life. Yeah. Like, why why make why make it more difficult by worrying yeah. about making a really difficult recipe or, yeah. or worrying about your sugar intake. Or uh, yeah, about- yeah, right. <laughs> Why be overly concerned about the calories and protein in your breakfast, huh? <laughs> exactly. And I think, I honestly believe that if you have a sweet breakfast, I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm never, I'm not stupid and I would never claim that a lot of sugar is good for anyone. Yeah. But I really believe that I, you know, when I was lived in England, I didn't used to eat a sugary breakfast. I used to eat a savory breakfast. And then I would crave sugar all through the day and I would end up snacking on loads of sweet things. And actually, when I eat a sweet breakfast now, I never crave sugar for the rest of the day. I have my sugar hit in the morning and then that sort of gets out of the way and I really feel wow. like... <laughs> That's That is fascinating. That is so against conventional wisdom. But I will say, I'm remembering, I read one, um, I read a study once and... Um, I don't remember the details of it, but they did, they, you know, they had two groups, a control group, and then a group that had a slice, you know, it was a portioned out slice of um, chocolate cake every day. And that group um, performed better. Yeah, no, honestly, I think, I think like deprivation, it always has side effects, right? So you're you're, you're cutting something and you're going to push out you're going to amplify those cravings. You're going to amplify amplify the binging, the binging kind of uh, what's the word? You know, like we all have the, pattern. Yeah, the binging yeah, pattern. The, the possibility to like want yeah. to binge, and it, the more you deny yourself, the more that kind of comes to the surface. So I think indulging properly one time a day, at least, on something really, you know, like really intensely creamy and sweet yeah. as your first thing in the morning. You just don't need it for the rest of the day. I really don't. I eat fruit. I have a big sugary breakfast every morning. And then after lunch, obviously savory lunch, I have lots of fruit. And after, if I eat something sweet in the evening, I might have a square of dark chocolate or I might have some more fruit. And that's enough. And I really think. That's, that is fascinating to me. And, you know, you brought up this word binging. And um, when I get back from this retrospective series, we're doing a couple of episodes where we talk about, um, Uh, eating disorders, actually, because, you know, this podcast is such a like romantic view of food, but it's such a, it's such a present part of the lives of many people, women, especially. And um, I'm thinking about the reasoning, the logic behind your argument. And the other reason it does make sense to me, what you're saying is that um, I think I really do believe everything is okay in moderation and in, you know, it, it all comes down to portions, right? And when you get up and you're starting your day and you've made a decision to have a piece of, or, you know, a cannoli or whatever it is, like something from your book, something delicious from your book, maybe some of those lemon um, cookies, like the lemon jam cookies looked amazing. Um, 
if you have something like that, it's like you've chosen to eat this for breakfast and then you move on with your day. Whereas I think that we tend to save up these things for the evening. Like so many of us have ice cream after dinner, right? But then you're, um, I mean, it's certainly very well documented that our decision-making abilities are much more inhibited in the evening, right? Like we stay up late, even though we're exhausted, we let, let another Netflix go show go, even though, you know, you know what I mean? And the same thing happens with food. And so I, I would argue that it's not so much like, oh, eating the sugar in the morning or eating it in the evening, but just our inhibitions are completely demolished by the end of the day. And so we just go and go and go. Um, sometimes we're eating out of stress and anxiety in the evening, out of emotion, um, out of just avoiding the next day. <laughs> All of these reasons that like maybe just none of that emotional baggage is attached to eating in the morning. It's just, it's enjoyable. It's pleasure. We're giving ourselves this opportunity to you know, welcome the day with something sweet and joyful. And then, and then we move on. Yeah. I think that's the, I mean, I know exactly what you mean about the evening kind of slide. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I definitely think that that's probably like a common theme, but I, I really genuinely like my diet has completely changed since I moved to Italy, like without me really meaning it to, it's just become, you know, I've, I've stimulated the patterns of the sort of eating that are, is around me, the, the way that the people yeah. are around me. And I really think, you know, like on a Sunday, we have like gelato after lunch always, almost always, especially now it's summer. But oh. in the evening, much less so. And I do think that like sugar hit in the evening is, you know, you, you don't tend to work it off because you're going to bed or whatever and right. you're sleeping. So right. I think, yeah, definitely that the morning and then if you want on a Sunday as a treat, like the lunchtime treat as well and something a little bit sweet just a small portion but as you say like everything in moderation mm-hmm. and the whole point I think is you know that ultimately deprivation denial is just it never works yes <laughs> like, yeah yeah that's so yeah so, that's so yeah. interesting well um I would argue that is quite a manifesto <laughs> to say, allow yourself to enjoy something sweet in the morning I think that would be um that's a message that would be received with open arms by many, many people, if they could like trust themselves, like if they could trust the messenger, you know what I mean? Like, I think it's yeah. something people would want to believe, but they'll be scared to believe it almost, you know? Well, you never know until you try, right? As they- yeah, <laughs> that's the perfect answer. Yes. <laughs> you got to try and have a creamy croissant and a, and a cappuccino for breakfast and see if it, if it's, if it works. But I, I, I honestly, I'm not saying this because everybody that I know is like how do you eat what you eat and you've lost weight since you moved to to Italy you know it's crazy because I eat so well here but I yeah. have like my I've, I've lost weight unintentionally and I'm That's sure it's because of the the way of eating here it's, it's just very different it's it's less binging it's more indulgence but over a lengthier period of time mm. it's more relaxed it's more um yeah it's just more balanced and and yeah. you know there is no denial but there is moderation definitely yeah well i know what i'm having for breakfast tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> i like your you never know until you try that's great that's perfect that's wonderful so well i wanted to talk about the um the aesthetics of the book, which was another thing that I loved about Bitter Honey. And I noticed when I was looking at the two of these, um, like you said, it's available for pre-order on Amazon. So I was comparing the two books go together. Like they are um, aesthetically, 
you know, they're they're very complimentary. They could go on a coffee table beautifully together. <laughs> and I'm curious oh, if that go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> no, I think well, I think like I mean, that's kind of well, it's lovely that you say that and thank you. I'm really like happy if the, they look good together. And that's I definitely think that's what we were we were going for. Were you? And the publishing company, I think that, you know, like everybody sort of envisages a bookshelf in the head or a coffee table mm. in the head. And I knew that, you know, I wanted to take a picture of the two of them together. And I knew that I wanted them to look good, you know, and to complement each other. So it was definitely part of the whole kind of planning process. And I, I think it's sort of interestingly, and I was talking to the photographer for the second book about this as well, sort of the color palette has come to me since I moved here because I wasn't really into bright colors at all when mm. I lived in England I had a very kind of English color palette which I guess is a bit more neutral and sort of mm. rusty colors and browns and and more kind of yeah more neutral palette mm -hmm. and then because moving here and being surrounded by colorful painted houses and you know colorful painted gelaterias and blinds like sunshine the blinds that lots of houses in Italy have that are sort of multicolored striped and I have them on my veranda um, and the flowers and the fruit and everything is just this sort of technicolor and the, the beaches you know when you go to the beaches and all the, all the sun umbrellas are all this kind of like incredibly bright mm. pink and oranges and, and I just think oh what a my, visual yeah, yeah <laughs> my color palette's completely changed and, and I wanted both books to have that sort of color palette in them that a color palette that really reflected Sardinia Italy the sort of sunny colors that there are here um, and I think also we have this sort of peach theme in the second book um, so there's lots of recipes with peaches there's lots of I write quite a lot about peaches because yes <laughs> I will <laughs> you have those little cookies right that yeah, are and the cookies as well which are like one of the, the cutest little recipes oh they're beautiful <laughs> Um, so yeah, there's a bit of a peach theme. So the colors of the, of the cover as well, kind of pick out that, those peachy tones. Mm. Um, and as I said, it's quite, it's quite a, a sort of feminine, but that's not to say men couldn't buy it or couldn't enjoy it. I hope they would and, and could enjoy it, but yeah, it's definitely the colors are quite sort of quite pinky and pastel -y and that those are colors that have sort of found me yeah <laughs> yes yeah they speak to where you are well and it seems like the books complement each other in a deeper way as well so I'm thinking you know like you said this um, bitter honey was a memoir of kind of what got you to Sardinia and then what captured you and your affections, you know, while you were there. But it seems yeah. like here's a book where, you know, it's almost like that was the prequel, you know, or 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 maybe like now you're writing the prequel, right? Like the Star Wars <laughs> series or something where you go back and you're telling the um the older the origin story, you know, or something like that. So would you say um that that's true? And would you say that there's other ways besides just aesthetically that the books complement each other, that they belong together as a pair? <laughs> Um, yeah, I think like, I mean, it's always, I think every writer kind of lives partly in the real world and partly in the sort of imagination. And, mm. and I think, you know, in my writerly, in my little writerly world, I sort of knew that there was, I wanted the books to have titles that were quite similar. So obviously both of them pick up the sort of sweet, life is sweet kind of theme, but mm. then obviously 
bitter honey was also there was a little bit of the life is sour because I mean just the sort of balancing of things being obviously like you said you know when we talk about food it should be you know food is is so attached to life and life Mm -hmm. is so attached to food that they should be they should both be aware that there is good and bad because that's the reality you know I I don't ever want to paint this kind of absolutely 100% perfect picture of 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 anything because it's it would be untruthful and and I want more than anything to be honest um Mm. so I sort of wanted to pick those those themes up and I think you know both of the books titles um they do sort of tie into each other and there's a sort of journey there's a bit of a kind of movement between one and the other and obviously because I write in a very personal way and I help <laughs> whether or not people like it or not I mean it's, it's a sort of blessing and a curse some people really don't like it and some people really love it like I love it <laughs> <laughs> which has been really lovely um but because I write in a very personal way it's, it's kind of natural that I guess my my books yes. are going to kind of follow my life a bit and I think that yeah, yeah I, I mean there, there is always going to be that kind of the, the theme of life working behind them yeah. um and flowing through them and I think that's really kind of something that is exciting and, and they kind of take on their own life and and then who knows you know if I am writing the, the prequel prequel now I think maybe it's quite a yeah it's quite an exciting idea and yeah. I think yeah I, I think I, I knew that I wanted the sweetness theme to definitely run through both of them and I the, the title that I'm sort of thinking of for the third book maybe is is yay is <laughs> along the same theme and like yeah. I think I want that, you know, I want there to be a connection. Right. Thing that I right. do. Definitely. Right. I want well, it's so exciting and encouraging because I feel like, you know, one thing we talked about so much the last time was how it was really, um, it, it, it was a maybe not circuitous. Yeah. It was like sort of a serpentine journey, right? Like there were a lot of um, curves along the road to kind of get to where you found your voice creatively. Um, one, being a writer, not necessarily a professional cook, you know, and then two, the type of writing that you wanted to do and where it needed to be. It needed to be actually in Sardinia, not, you know, in mm-hmm. your home. And it was just kind of amazing. And now it just seems like now that you found your your voice, like, I guess to use maybe maybe that's too much of a cliched term, but now that you've found what you want to say, there's just so much to say about it. And so you can keep, there's so many nuances and angles and um, stones to turn over. You can keep saying it um, without saying the same thing over. So, you know, in that way, the books really do work together. And now there's going to be a third too, which is super exciting. Yeah, no, I think, I don't think, I mean, I know it's sort of become cliche to talk about your voice, but I, it's true. And I, yeah. think, you know, <laughs> I think all of the, like every cliche begins in truth. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, every writer would talk about this idea of finding a voice, every artist, you know, finding yeah. their style, finding their, their genre, whatever it is, you know, like it's any creative, any person that creates is, is mm. always sort of striving for their own kind of their own style or voice, or whatever it is. And I think, yeah, I do feel like finally I'm sort of, I'm finding it, I'm getting there, I'm nearly there. <laughs> and yeah. that's really like, that's a really great feeling. Yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, I'm really excited for what comes next if I can just to kind of get pen to paper <laughs> and get, get my time 
them organized properly. If your book stopped being so successful, <laughs> you would have time to write a third one. <laughs> oh no, no, I don't want it to seem like that at all. But like, <laughs> no, I'm I'm teasing. I'm teasing, of course. Well, and I guess the the last thing. Um, I wanted to ask about it. It really ties in with this um, so well because we did talk about this journey to like um, how how you could most authentically express yourself. And again, it was through writing. It was through this new type of cooking and um, all of these things. And we talked about how a lot of times on social media or kind of in telling our stories, people um, mask, you know, what it took to get there, you know, and that you, for instance, had to move in, you know, with your in-laws, you had to sacrifice a level of freedom to give yourself the time to do that. You know, it just ended up in the end, it wasn't possible to do all the things at once, you know, your full-time job and this and that. And so I'm wondering if now you've found, again, just a sense of, um, a sense of ease, you know, a sense of like security and stability. Um, now well, that, think, yeah, go for it. Sorry, I interrupted. No, um, I think you know what I'm getting at and I'm curious. Yeah. 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 No, I, I think, so it's all about, I mean, this is partly what the sort of theme of the, the next book will probably be about. It's, mm. it's all about balance, right? It's about yeah. everything in life, cooking, in love, life, everything. Mm. It's all about balance. And it's, I think there is no, I mean, I need to find this quote, dig it out of my little box of post-its because I write quote, put quotes on post-its and then hide them away. And I've <laughs> <laughs> I wrote a, a quote from a famous actress or um, down and I've obviously lost the name of the person, but she was like, she said, you know, there is no point at which you sit back and think, right, I've done everything I want to do now. Now I can just chill yeah. kind of thing. I mean, a lot of those yeah. And I think if you're someone that is driven and someone that is ambitious mm-hmm. and someone that has something to say, then there there isn't, you know, you never reach that point where you think, okay, I'm pretty happy with what I've done right now. I'll mm-hmm. just, you know, relax and enjoy the, and yeah. enjoy the ride. It's like, yeah. I don't feel I'm anywhere near what, where I want to be, mm. but at the same time as feeling that incredible drive and need to carry on to do more work and to do it better, I think, you need to also find a balance where you can enjoy what you have achieved and Mm. really feel proud of what you have achieved Mm -hmm. as well as wanting more because otherwise Mm. you'll just never be happy and you're just going to be chasing this impossible dream forever and never feel satisfied with what you're achieving. So I think it's, I've got, I've got to a place now where I'm really, really, I'm like, yeah, I'm genuinely thrilled that Bitter Honey had the reception it did. And Mm. it's been a real, it's been really, really lovely and an incredible kind of confidence booster for me. And yes. I'm, I'm really, yeah, I'm really grateful to everybody that's bought it and cooked from it. And I'm really happy that it's done as, as well as it has done. If we, I mean, that's probably the first time I've said that. <laughs> 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 With the, the humble brag, which is now all the rage. Um, <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> no, I specifically asked you to. And I mean, it would be... I mean, it would be so ungrateful if you didn't express the gratitude, right? I mean, you're not saying, look at what I've done. You're saying thank you to those who have affirmed what I did. Yeah. And I think, but I think, you know, it's it's important, you know, yeah, I did. I made sacrifices. I've also yeah. been incredibly lucky, you know, with, yeah. with the help that I've had and the people that have supported me. 
Mm. And, you know, it's, I'm still not at a stage where I can just live off my writing. You know, I Mm. still need to to do other things. I still need to teach. I still need to Mm -hmm. sell drawings. I still need to carry on writing books. It's, Mm -hmm. it's always going to be, you know, it's always going to be difficult. I would never say that, you know, Mm. like, unless you have, you know, your own TV show and, and a whole <laughs> line of books and a, and a chain of restaurants. Like, it's, it's not easy being a food writer. No, I mean, mm-hmm. I would never claim that. But, but it is something that gives me incredible satisfaction and it's something that I really care about. So, mm. you know, I'm happy to make those compromises and I'm happy to shop in the discount shop and buy not the best clothes mm. <laughs> and look a bit scruffy because I get to do what I love every day. And that's mm. really, you know, that is a cliche, but it's, it is the truth. So. Mm. Mm. that's just so good to hear. It's so good to hear. <laughs> and of course, with every purchase, we support what you do, which is so special. So um, finally, 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 can you just tell us a little bit about, because we are all about memories here, um, tell us all about why you chose the shop you chose for your book launch party. What do you, what's, what memories are associated with that place? Okay, so Topath Cafe is mm. like a sort of magical place that is in London that doesn't feel at all like you're in London um, sort of on the canal which mm. is I've always lived whenever I lived in London for about seven years in the end and I always lived next to the canal and I used to cycle up and down the canal every every job I ever went to I would always cycle along the canal because you can get almost anywhere you need to along there mm. um, and it's just it's just a really magical part of London it does like I say it doesn't feel like you're in London and the, the woman that opened it has a house in Italy and has lived a lot of her life in Italy sort of similar aesthetic and a similar idea of food and a similar Mm. kind of um you know love of of ingredients and and it's a very special place and Mm. it's it's very kind of under under publicized in a way so there's sort of people that know about it love it and go back again and again but it's it doesn't tend to get too full of tourists which is is quite a nice thing um, and it's just it's really kind of down to earth and homely and it feels like you're eating in someone's home which is to me the absolute ideal restaurant in a way right. it's, a sort of, it's a sort of anti-restaurant I don't like <laughs> I don't sort of like feeling I don't know it, I, I don't really I just like things that are quite earthy I guess and natural yeah. and it feels like a very earthy and natural place and you have the canal right in front of you and there's birds, you know, yes. water birds, one swimming around and there's a little grassy patch where they grow some, some bits. Um, yeah. And it's just, yeah, it's just a, a, little, a lovely place that reminds me of my life, my former life in London and, um, and a bit of Italy as well. And mm. it just felt like the perfect spot. Oh, that sounds, yeah, I have this huge smile on my face imagining it. I'm actually scrolling through their, um, <laughs> scrolling through their website right now. And there's an image here with just a huge group of people out there over the, um, I guess it's a canal, you know, and the yeah. lights on. And I'm just imagining your launch party. And I hope that it is, um, I hope that it is for you that moment where you get to, like you said, slow down, um, not think ahead for an evening and just bask in what you've done and what it took to get here and um, enjoy the support of, of many people. And I'm certainly supporting you in spirit. Although of course I can't be in London <laughs> this summer. So. Well, I hope you get to come at some point. I hope you get to come to London at some point. And if you do, then definitely drop in at Topaz because it's, it's definitely worth it. 
Topath will be on my list if I do. Yes. So thank you so, so much, um, Letitia. And go ahead and just tell everyone again the name of your book and where they can find it, where is best for them to order it. Um, okay. So the book is La Vita e Dolce mm. and it's available on Amazon for free order um, and also in all independent bookshops, which is obviously nice to support independent bookshops. Yes. And yeah, thank you very much for having me. It's been a pleasure as usual. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. Have a wonderful day. Take care. Thank you. You too. Okay. Bye-bye. Thanks again to Letitia for taking this time, just two days before the big launch of La Vite El Dolce, to chat with us. Of course, as always in your show notes, which is just another way of saying the written content you see right there in your player, I've linked to all of the ways you can connect with Letitia and her original episode and buy this book or her former book, Bitter Honey. I do recommend her previous episode to you. It is just like a warm, honest hug for those of us who are pursuing anything difficult, scary, or creative. Next week, guys, I'm a little nervous to announce this, but next week I am actually going to be releasing an episode with myself as the guest. A couple listeners asked for this when I mentioned the retrospective series, and I thought it was another good way to go out of my comfort zone. So of course, I have been interviewed several times, but I don't tend to share those with you. But this time I am. So yes, that will be next week. I hope you subscribe to tune into that. I hope you show me support. and grace. And I'm looking forward to connecting with you in that way. Thank you and have a great week, my friends.